0: Have a seat. Well, that's kind of a bold sign, isn't it? Look at that. Choose. Have you ever had people on the fence trying to make a decision? Oh, my. My wife probably sees it more in me than I see it in her. She knows what she wants. I want this and this and this and this, and I think I'll take one of those two. And I'll be like this. Do I want the red one or should I get the blue one? Well, the red one is red and the, the blue one is blue choose. How many choices have you made today? Because of what I do, people are in front of me making choices all the time. Do I want the gabled roof or would I like to have the barn style? Do I want red or do I want blue? Do I want to, should I get a tan roof or or maybe I should get, maybe I should get a, a, boy, a sandstone. Sandstone or tan. I have these people that get stuck between this shade of a color. You know, it's like, I'm glad we don't give them ten shades of sandstone and tan, because I'd never get anybody out of the office. They would just be there all day going, I'm frozen, I don't know. Here, have some chips and take them home. Put them up against your building. And then it never fails, so come back and say, I'll take the red. I'm like, what? What? Menus, don't you hate menus? I wish it just said hamburger and fries. You know I mean? you, You open a menu and you go, wow. And Connie's probably, st- you know, she's so thin because I'm so, well, anyway. Uh, so I, you know, I take the time to, uh, to pick something out. And then I think, why didn't I pick that instead of this? Why did I pick this? Ew, you know, it didn't, didn't taste as good as I thought. The picture was better in the menu. I don't know what to tell you. What have you chosen today? And what did you choose yesterday? What choices have you made that you regret? You know, that choice to raise your voice when you weren't getting your way, or that choice to purchase something you couldn't afford, or that choice to eat something that really you shouldn't have put into your body. You know, we make choices every day. That appointment you kept or the appointment that you skipped, you made a choice today and you either made it in the right direction or the wrong direction, and it doesn't have to be sinful to be the wrong choice for you. You know what I'm saying? So what choices are you making? The Bible is filled with people making choices, isn't it? You know, it starts with Adam and Eve. Adam, you know, walked with God in the cool of the day, and and God chose to give him a helpmate and, and gave him Eve. And so Eve and Adam walked through the day, and then God came down and visited with them, and they would spend time with God. And one day, Eve chose to listen to the serpent. Adam stayed nearby, but I believe Eve was deceived, which maybe gives her a half credit for being a little confused by the sleek and slick way of the devil. But Adam fully knew what he was doing. I really believe that. I believe if Adam had any fear of the Lord at all, he would have said, we're not lingering here without salesmen. Uh, I'm sure that the devil did timeshares in his spare time, but um, but it was... Uh, maybe you, you don't know what I'm talking about. But anyway, uh, the, uh, uh, the devil put a good case in front of... Uh, in front of eve by causing her to doubt god if you choose anything don't choose to doubt god but it's not always easy i'm not saying that it's easy sometimes you know god doesn't come on our time schedule but we have to choose to believe whether god comes on our time schedule or not because god is never late god's on time But we don't always see it that way because we know the urgency of our moment. But God sees the scale of eternity and he knows the right time. So are you going to choose to believe the Lord or are you going to choose to go by your senses and by your wisdom? Let's see. God created the heavens and the earth and by my account, I don't know how long they were in the garden, but we've been out of the garden at least 6,000 years. So God created the heavens and the earth and we're still discovering the vastness of what God did, whether it's in the depths of the ocean or the peak of a mountain or out into space or microscopic or huge, it doesn't matter. We're still exploring what God did 6,000 years ago, trying to see it all and, and understand it all. And then we'll say, well, in my 60 years of life, God, I'm just not sure you're doing it to my uh, you know, standard. Couldn't you snap it up a little bit? I'm sure God's... Um, sort of snickers at our arrogance sometimes to think we know better than God what's best. It's kind of like that teenager. It's sort of like this. When, when a child is born, they're totally dependent on you. You know, if they're going to get their bottom wiped, you're going to do it. If they're going to get fed, you're going to bring it. If, if they're going to be carried from one room to another, it's going to take your effort to make it happen. You could set a newborn on a counter and they can't go anywhere. But once they turn over, they can hard, you can hardly keep up. You know, once they roll over and they start to crawl and then they start to walk and then they start to run. One, people like, uh, one person likened it to this. The, the circle of influence you have is very small. They can't go anywhere in the beginning. But as they age, the circle gets bigger and bigger until they've completely moved out onto their own. And sometimes we begin with God knowing so little that we cling to God. And God carries us around. And God feeds us. And God changes us if we need it, you know. And sometimes we get to stinking pretty bad. But uh, but then we start to get our legs under us and, and we start to know a little bit. You know, the, the sad thing is, is that rather than being family, sometimes... We still feel like servants and there are rules to follow. So we get to the point that we think we know more than somebody else or we're keeping the rules better than somebody else. And we start to feel superior to everybody else. We're really moving away from God who's loving and accepting and forgiving. Because we become critical and judgmental and our nose gets longer and longer as we look down it toward other people and, and God knows that if we'll just stay close our heart will stay soft because the further we get from the source of that anointing of the Holy Spirit the more our heart dries out and we begin to feel superior and you know, the Pharisees really, really blew it because they had all the information but they really didn't have the knowledge that God wanted them to have. They didn't have the heart that God wanted them to have. They moved away from God's original purpose. We see that when Jesus turns over the temple, they had chose to turn a house of prayer into a place of merchandise. They had chose to look out for their own interests rather than God's interests. And rather than defend the sacredness of God's house, they decided it was a place of revenue that would enrich them even more. You have to understand there are 11 tribes that had land and were raising cattle and merchants and all that. And they were the 12th tribe. So they were getting 110% of what everybody else was getting. If everybody brought their tithe, they were being paid more than the average. They didn't need to be selling stuff. God arranged for them to be okay without having fields and crops and being merchants and you know all the things that were given to the other people in the family God said I'll use them to give you 110% of their average salary because I need you to focus on keeping my house in order choose choose what well Joshua would say, choose this day who you'll serve, whether the gods of this land or God Almighty. As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. That's a big choice. Fear a man. Uh, if we could, um, if you could allow me to take... Uh, elevate the conversation beyond medical need or government restriction or whatever. Can we elevate a conversation? I want to talk to you for a minute. When you rob a bank, you put a mask on to hide your identity. The devil wants you to put a mask on to steal your identity. Satan can't stand the image of God. And it's plastered all over us. So Satan wants to cover it. He wants to steal from you who you are. You need to understand when you look in the mirror, you need to straighten up. And say, I need to represent my daddy. We're gods. And I'm telling you, the devil. Now, where did we see masks in the Bible? Moses went up and said, God, show me your glory. Moses had such an appetite for God. From the burning bush on, he had such a hunger for God. He watched God demonstrate his power through him as he, you know, moved forth with all the plagues. And then he watched God free all the nation of Israel to go on out and find the promised land and move in. And he got to go up on the mountain and receive the Ten Commandments. and. He brought up the elders to have a picnic with God. And he would go to the tent of meeting and talk to God as a man talks to his friend. One day he said, I just got to see you. I've heard your voice. I've seen the bush burn without being consumed. I've seen your power. I've watched you do these mighty things. But I've got to see you. He said, well, Moses, if you saw me, you'd melt right in front of me. But... I'll hold my hand over you and slip by. You'll be near enough to sense me, but you're not going to look me in the eye because, Moses, you're just not going to be ready for that until you come home. He came down off the mountain. I don't imagine his feet touched the ground all the way to the bottom. And he went to speak about all the things God had told him to the people, and they're like, oh, oh, Moses, come on now, man. You're too bright for us to look at you. Cover your face. The image of God was planted on him. The glory of God was radiating from him. And the people are saying, Oh, Moses, we can't look at that. You go talk to God and tell us what he said, but we don't want to see him directly. Choose. Choose. Do you want to be so close to God that the world sees you, or do you want to be so close to God that the world sees Him? You know, uh, I just saw a, uh, a friend of mine, an old coworker, give this great little Facebook and uh, excuse me a second while I find it. My phone's eliminated it, but I'll just take a second. my friend terry it was a coworker when connie and i uh, worked in retirement communities uh, now her testimony goes before she met me so that has nothing to do with her her testimony but i want to read a comment in the comments so it says 13 years ago i made the decision to stop living the way i was living i was told the truth about who and what i was i surrendered that day to a god i didn't understand i was introduced to a new way of life thank you God, for a life beyond anything I could have ever imagined possible. So, you know, uh, let's see here. Isn't that a great testimony? So I want to get... It's not going to load them all. How do you get this thing to cooperate? Well, it may not cooperate. You know, Facebook has a mind of its own because it doesn't like good things to be printed on the page. But anyway... uh, she wrote a comment, something to the effect of, thank you for never being shy about your faith in the workplace. It, you know, it inspired me. I didn't know I was being bold about uh, my faith in the workplace. But we have choices to make, and those choices can be reflected in our walk. If we choose, well, Saul worried more about people's opinion than he worried about God. And he lost the kingdom over it. David worried more about what God thought than what men thought. And God anointed him years before he ever became king. And Saul even saw the anointing on David and hated him for it. And he was jealous of him. But God wants you to understand something. He loves it when you love him so much that you don't care what people think. Saul cared so much about What the people thought—that he didn't wait for the prophet, he just went ahead and did the sacrifice anyway. And he, you know, had a big sacrifice. He wanted to please the people and keep their attention. He felt they were—he was losing them. And Samuel gets there and says, "So, what is that? What? what, What's that I hear? The bleeding of sheep? Oh, oh, well, uh, I know I was supposed to wait, and I know you told me God said to wait for you." But I, I just, uh, you know, I just uh, was worried about what the people thought. And I, I just couldn't wait. And Samuel said, you know that the kingdom's been wrenched from your hands today. Because it's better to obey than sacrifice. Well, brother, I put $5,000 in the offering. I put five, I could have bought a car with that. So What? It's better to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, spirit, than it is to show how much you can put in the offering plate. But that was a sacrifice for me. Well, was it years of tithing that you'd neglected, or or was it something beyond that? I remember somebody that wanted a nameplate put on the church because they put a big chunk in there for paving the parking lot. They never tithe, but when there was a big project, they would jump in with a big amount. It's not right. It's better to obey than sacrifice. It's better to obey the Lord. What does the Lord say? Love him with all your heart, soul, mind, body. Love God with everything that's in you. Give him your all. He gave you his. And then love your neighbor as yourself. I love myself pretty good. This is a lot of love right here. It don't kick and it ain't got a heartbeat, but I'll tell you what, that's some self love right there. That means I'm coming to your house with a bucket of chicken just because I love you. You need to understand that nobody, nobody is loved in your heart more than you are. I haven't come to your house to brush your teeth. God wants you to understand something. He doesn't mind that you have confidence. He doesn't want us to be narcissistic. But when we love on this guy and take care of him, when we love on ourself, we're taking care of what God created. And then when we look to others to be good to them, like we're good to this guy, then God's pleased that you've included them in your circle of influence. Have you included people in your circle of influence? Or do you stand back with your arms crossed and going? They just don't measure up to my standard. They're just not quite who I would want them to be. Who cares who you want them to be? Get over yourself. I want people to be who God wants them to be. And that may be different than something I know about. You know what? There are people that live a life that's more godly than mine because they're more what he wants them to be. God wants us to let people be who they're supposed to be. That's why the Word of God says, let every man work out his own salvation with fear and trembling. The truth is, I wasn't called to judge anybody. I was called to encourage everybody. God wants you to understand that people may be different, but it doesn't mean they're any less what God wants them to be. Give people the grace to be different than you are. Oh, bless God. God, they should wear a polo. Them button-ups just ain't right. What? That's about how bad it gets sometimes. Somebody coming in there looking at somebody sideways. I remember, now, I'm going to tell you this story, and I believe it was spoken in sincerity, okay? I was 17 years old in uh, Harrison, Arkansas. I was a youth pastor there. And uh, this lady said she was an old holiness Pentecostal, you know, didn't shave her legs, but put nylons on over the hair. Oof. She could peel the bark off the tree the way she looked. I mean, I'm just saying. And uh, one day the pastor let her share, you know, and she's sharing, and uh, she was talking about holiness, you know, and holiness is driven by the heart, Okay you you could spray paint uh, and people did at one time I don't know what they were thinking you could spray paint a cow pie and put it in a frame but under that paint it's still a cow pie Aww. and um, she started talking about the shoes that ladies wear you know and she got down to these open toed shoes and Uh, she wanted to get to the toenails because she felt it was an offense to God that people painted their toenails and she got all into the vanity of painting your toenails. And I thought, wow. You know, that might offend somebody enough to send them out of the kingdom of God. And you know, I was only 17 years old. I'm 60 now and I've never forgot that story because it offended me that somebody might have been hurt in that church that maybe didn't even have open-toe shoes. They were under, you know, socks in their shoes, but they were painted. And I thought, why do we major on minor? God asks us to love them like ourselves. But see, I think even today there are Christians that haven't received the love of God and don't have any love for themselves. I'm telling you, you need to choose to love yourself because God's given you permission to love yourself. See, there's bitter Christians because they still haven't found God's grace to be sweeping enough to make them lovable so they're still unhappy with their self. And God needs you to understand that you are fearfully and wonderfully made and God loves you. But so many times people are still beating themselves up because they think it's more spiritual to feel guilt than it is to Experience grace. For by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves, not of works, lest any man should boast. God took me out of the equation. He loves me for me, not because of what I do, but because of who I am. He created me to be a vessel of his love, but he created me to love myself, not because I'm perfect, but because I'm his. And he loves me. Mm -hmm. Why would God love me if I don't even love myself? Because he sees himself in me. God sees himself in you. And I'm going to tell you something. (laughs) You know, uh, well, let's let's just imagine this is a beautiful painting, okay? It's not a beautiful painting. It's a piece of soundboard with some color on it. But let's imagine this is painted by somebody famous, and you're standing here going... I don't understand that at all. That's the most awful thing I've ever seen. I wouldn't hang that in my house on a bed. I think that's terrible. I think that's awful. I think that's miserable. I think this should be put out in the alley. This is not worthy to be in this art gallery. This is an awful painting. And then the artist said, I created that. You you did? Yeah, I created that. First of all, I'd probably turn red. I don't think I'd continue, would you? But yet we'll stand in judgment of other believers. I just can't believe it. I just can't believe that. I just can't believe they didn't do that or they did do that. I I can't believe. I just can't believe that. You know, there are Christians that are offended because you shook hands with this one, but you didn't shake hands with that one. Come on. It doesn't say, be loved as I love you. It says, love your neighbor as I love you. Love God with all your heart and love your neighbor. Don't wait for them to love you. Matter of fact, uh, there was a, a Christian artist of about, you know, I'm too old to even remember, but it was 50 years ago. He wrote Bullfrogs and Butterflies. And then he wrote a song, that If Nobody Loves You, Create the Demand. Don't be the second to offer your hand. Be the first to smile. You know what? If we could be as upbeat as God wants us to be, this world would bloom. Sometimes the world doesn't see the improvement that Christ makes in our life, and that's why they don't want anything to do with church. It's like, well, if that's what church is like, if that's what Christians are, I don't want any part of it. God helped them to say, I've seen them weather some storms, and they never change. They're still happy. They still have peace. They still have joy. And I know what they've weathered. I know what they've gone through. I know what's happened to them. I don't understand how they do it. I've got to find out what's the difference between you. I'm devastated when I go through a storm like that. I'm devastated when I have a loss like that. I'm devastated when I face something like that. How do you do it? And then you get the opportunity to say, let me tell you about Jesus. Instead of coming in and saying, I'm devastated and I'm destroyed and that just ruined me. When you go through things and they see the difference that God makes in your life, they're going to want to know what made the difference. Choose. Choose what? Every detail of your life based on what the Word says. Every detail of your life based on what God wants. Every detail of your life based on what pleases him instead of me. It's not about me. It's not about what pleases me. It's about what pleases him. What pleases him is going to improve the way I treat Connie. It's going to improve the way I treat my children. It's going to tr- improve the way I treat my grandchildren. It's going to improve the way I treat my My uh, customers. It's going to improve the way I treat the checker in the grocery store. It's going to improve the way I treat somebody. that just passes me in an aisle in Walmart. Because God wants it that way. It is so amazing how we justify something less than what God wants. God's begging us to love the world the way we love Him and the way He loves us. God needs us to understand that if we don't love them into the kingdom He has to toss them into hell. He didn't conquer the world with hate. He didn't conquer the world by force. He conquered the world through love. And he's still conquering the world without a sword, without a gun, without a bow and arrow, without a knife. He's doing it with arms open and hands ready to receive. We were in a class one time when I was in college. And as we were in college, uh, it must have been a psychology class or something. The teacher said, we're going to pair you up as strangers. So I want you to Walk toward a stranger until you feel uncomfortable. And when you're close enough that, you know, it's kind of come into your buffer, your your personal space, then just stop. And let's see how far apart people stop. So it was my turn, and they don't know I'm a preacher. You know, they don't know about the love of God. They don't know about the Bible in me. They don't know about the Jesus that I know. So I'm paired off with a stranger, and I'm walking toward him. And as I got closer, I just did this opened my hand, and they fell right into my uh, hug, you know, and jumped back. That wasn't the plan. When people fall into God's grace, that wasn't their plan that day. They weren't planning to join the family of God. They found the love of God, and they couldn't resist. God wants you to find people that need the love that you found when you needed it. You know, I think about all the people and what they had to go through. What was it like for a hundred years to have a dad who's being ridiculed as crazy Noah? What's it like? What's it like to go to school? Your dad's crazy Noah. (laughs) Building a boat where there ain't no water. Then all the animals came around. Boy, he's nuttier than ever. That guy's not only got a few pets, he's got crazy pets. Who needs an anteater? But he's got one. Crazy, and imagine when—you know—it's one thing to have a fear of man's opinion, but imagine when you're the only one taking a stand. Imagine Goliath showed up and was ready to take us on—a man nine feet tall and equipped for battle. Somebody entering the church with a gun and a, and a body armor and and and. Everybody, you know, did what we would instinctively do. They fell behind their chair. They, they fell behind a rock. They fell behind a beam. They found a place they felt safe. And from a distance, David saw what's going on. He said, oh, no, I ain't having this. You're talking about God over there. You're cursing God. You're, you're, you're saying things about the man that I love. I love God. And he picked up five stones and he went in there whirling. And the giant just kind of snorted, like, is this the best you can do? Who's this little ruddy runt? Is this the best you can do? What are you sending this guy after me for? This ain't nothing. Why can't we have one of your champions? What do we got this kid out here for? And he's, you know, like, you may be coming in the might of the Philistines, but I'm coming in the name of the Lord. You don't talk about my daddy like that. Shoo. When he hit the ground, David pulled his sword and cut his head off. Yet we let people disrespect God every day. We let people cause us to cower and shrink back. David would have thought, "What? why are you, what, speak up, choose. That's my God you're talking about. Oh, God loves everybody so much. I think the reason that sometimes Christians evaporate and dry up is they don't understand how much God wants us to be loved and how much he desires for us to love. We should be the most popular people in town, not because everybody agrees with us, but because they just can't resist how kind we are how loving we are, how patient we are, how understanding we are, how, how much we listen, how much we care. How much do we care? People aren't disposable. Not even the ones that aggravate you. Have you ever been aggravated so much? I had a pastor one time who was moving into a rented parsonage. It was on a, uh, you know, a, a court, cul-de-sac, or whatever you want to call it. Didn't have any alleys. Back curtains are open. They're bringing in boxes into a rental that they've gotten. And, and the pastor's unloading the truck. And I don't know if he had any help or not, but he's, he's getting things out of the truck into the new parsonage. And, and he looks out, and he, he, I think I saw something out there. And, and he looks for a minute, and he realizes, yeah, that's something out there. And he runs out there. And there's poop all over the backyard. The neighbor's cleaning up his backyard and flinging it over the fence. Now, I'm telling you, this man was a spiritual man. He'd been a missionary. He had, uh, he had done great things for God. I remember him telling a story about being in uh, some islands in the Pacific where all they had was this thatch roof and the rats would nest in the roof. And they had netting because of the mosquitoes. And the rats would fall and you'd be laying there at night and they'd land on you on the other side of the netting and you were always knocking them off and killing them and it was a mess. Well, what did this spiritual godly man do? He pulled a shovel out of his stuff and he went out there and he threw the poop back. I don't know that I would have done any different, but isn't that what we do to the world? You do something to me, I'm going to do something worse to you when it really should be Look what they did to Jesus. And the Bible says he went before his accusers and didn't say a word. But he carried himself with such authority that Pilate didn't want to crucify him. Pilate said, don't you know you have the, I have the power of life and death over you? And Jesus said, no you don't. Do you know who I am? Yeah. Yeah. Aren't you afraid of me? No. Do what you got to do, Pilate. He went out there and had him bring a basin of water and washed his hands and said, I don't want any part of this. I don't want his blood on my hands. It's on your head. And they said, we'll gladly receive that. But he only had to be in the presence of Jesus for a very short time to see. Love beats hate. Every time. Have you been in the presence of Jesus today? Have you spent any time with God today? God wants to spend time with you. He loves you more than anybody you know. He wants you more than anybody that exists. He has your name written in the palm of his hand so that while he's going through his day, he can look down and go, I love that boy kind of wish he'd straighten up a little bit. I love it. I didn't get into trouble like my friends because I didn't have any peer pressure. I had parental pressure. I respected my parents too much to do the things that my friends were doing. And my friends respected me too much to ask me to do it with them. I wasn't invited to the kegger. Why? Because they respected my faith. I didn't have to preach at them. They respected my faith so much, they strove to preserve it. What kind of people strive to preserve your faith? The people that know that it's real. They don't want to damage that. When somebody falls, you know, we've had a lot of great ministers fall. uh, And you know good and well, the devil's working harder on them if they're influencing millions of people than, you know, somebody that's, uh, you know, at some other level. The devil's got to be coming. I remember a pastor telling me, Tim, when the church is bigger, there will be more wolves at the door. And I believe that. The devil is uh, wanting us to veil our face and hide our identity and, and creep back into our hole. And he don't mind if we worship God behind doors, but he sure don't want us to bring the light into the darkness. Choose. I choose God. Not just so I can get to heaven, but so people can know what I know. God loves me just like I am. You know, you can love the potential me or the future me or the thinner me, but God loves me right where I'm at. And his love is probably what'll get me where I probably need to be. And when I catch up with who I need to be, maybe you'll love me more then. But God's love is not based on what the scale says. God's love is not based on how many chapters I read, or how many hours I pray, or or how many dollars I put in the offering. God's love is based on the fact that I'm a reflection of Him, and He's just gravitating toward me. And if I'll gravitate toward Him, we'll meet in this middle where love will be present. God doesn't care what happened in your past. You do. I do. I think about it. There are things that I've repented more than once about and said, God, forgive me for that. And God's like, forgive you for what? You know what? No, I've chosen to forget. I need you to choose to forget because I love you where you're at. I'll love you where you're going, and I loved you where you were. But just keep putting one foot in the other, choose me over others. And I'll give you everything. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. Now one thing about seeking God is maybe I wanted that. And as I seek God, my true north moves. And then all of a sudden I want something different than what I wanted. When it was all about me, I was seeking something other than what's about God. But when I start to seek God, all of a sudden true north moves. And instead of going south, I'm going north, true north, toward God. I don't care how far you move from God in your life. God's right there the minute, the instant you're willing to seek Him. God's been waiting. He stood by while well, we did things to ourselves and to others, and He waited. And when we turn, He's ready. The prodigal's father was watching down the road every day. It may have been months. It may have been years. I don't know how long it took for that boy to extinguish his inheritance. And you know how it is. If you're the life of the party and you're putting out the greenbacks, there's plenty of people that will help you spend your money. But then a famine came. His money was gone. and Nobody wanted anything to do with him. And he ended up in the pig's trough, feeding pigs and thinking that that leftover slop maybe will keep me alive today. And one day, he probably had his head down in the trough and he said, uh, my dad's servants are doing better than this. I'll just tell dad, I'll get rid of my last name and I'll be one of your servants and I won't tell anybody I'm your son. But when his dad was looking down the road and he saw a little dust being stirred up and he strained in to look and he looked as far as he could and that, that person got a little bit closer, he started to run down that road When God ran, when God ran, he ran for us. As soon as we turn his direction, he'll make up the distance. He wants us in his family. He wants us enveloped in his love. He wants us present with him. And if we let him, it'll change us. If you worry about what people think, you'll make the mistake of Ananias and Sapphira When Barnabas got praised because he sold an empty lot and gave the money to the church, they sold an empty lot and said, we're going to give it all to the church. And, you know, it was in inflationary times, and they got more than they expected. And they thought, well, I was expecting 9,000, but I got 30. I'll, I'll give the church 10 and feel generous, and I'll keep 20. But I won't tell anybody. I'll tell them that 10 was all we got. The apostle said, wait a minute. What made you think you could lie to God? Don't think God doesn't know the very thought and intent of your heart and what motivates you. Ananias dropped dead. You think the fear of the Lord began in that church? Wow. Offering was a totally different thing after that. <laughs> Sapphira comes in and he says, how much did you sell a lot for? 10000 She said, that's right. We sold it for $10,000. they have already carried out your husband. Boom. Down she went. That wasn't an Old Testament God. That was a New Testament God. We play far too much with God. We need to be focused on pleasing Papa God, not with good works or good deeds, but with the affection that his affection deserves, the affection that drives us. You know why my kids can get in my pocket? Because I love them. I may love your kids, but they're not getting in my pocket. Then go get in your pocket. But I have a totally different relationship with my kids. Sometimes it aggravates me that they want in my pocket, but it never changes that they're the ones that can pull my heartstrings. And my grandchildren, oh my, they don't have to ask. It just comes raining down on them if I can do it because I love them. And if I can do good things for my children and my grandchildren, how much more can God do for his children? If I want to be good to my kids, how good does God want to be to us? And then how good does he want us to be to the world around us? If you stretch yourself to do what's bigger than you, God will fund it because he cares about them too. Just stretch. Stretch. See the need and fill it. That's calling. See the need and fill it. When you see a missionary going to China or missionary going to Korea or missionary going to Thailand or I don't know why it's all Asia, they're going to Africa too or whatever. But uh, matter of fact, some missionaries go to our cities because they need help, you know. But when you see a missionary going, they saw a need. They saw a gap in the plan. They saw. They saw. And they said, well, if God's going to love me this much, I've got to love them too. Amen. I remember hearing a missionary when I was in Missouri. Uh, she was talking about going back to an island in the South Pacific. And the church had a parsonage, but the pastor didn't use it. He was buying his own home. So they used it for guest speakers. And they gave it to the missionary to use during their itineration period in, in the United States. And, and she was testifying about how excited they were to go back. But she slipped something in and I I didn't miss it. She said, I'm going to miss rugs and wood floors because our floor will be dirt. But she loved those people and couldn't wait to get back to them. We need to love people and use things, not use people and love things. So help us, God, to choose wisely. This is a joyful sermon, not a harsh one, because it's reminding us that God loves us. We love him. Now let it spill over. I never did like that song, Fill My Cup, Lord. I used to sing it when I was a kid and didn't realize it. Fill my cup, Lord. I lift it up, Lord. Come and quench this thirsting in my soul. Why is it we only have a cup faith? I think we should say fill my bucket. But you know what God wants? Fill my conduit. So we cannot be full, but a flow. God wants to flow out of your innermost beings will flow rivers of living water. What does he want? He wants the love that's saturating your life to spill over onto others. Choose. Do you want to bottle it up? Man, I'm going to have a vast supply of God's love if I'll just put up a big Hoover Dam right here. And I can let a little bit generate electricity and maybe flow out to others, but the vast majority of it, I'll just keep it right here behind the wall. God doesn't want you to restrict his love. He wants you to be the conduit that his love flows through. Let God flow. Choose to let God flow. God loves you. Love him. And then love your neighbor as yourself. And if you don't love yourself, if you're critical of yourself because of voice is in your past, get over it. If God loves you, you must be something special. If God cares about you, he must have made room for you to care for yourself. Treat yourself well. Don't beat yourself up. God's not beating you up. Choose. You know the one thing we have... Choice over is our effort and our attitude. So put in the effort and improve the attitude. Why is it that when anybody says, man, that guy's got an attitude, it's never a good thing. It needs to be a good thing. It needs to be, if that's what God's like, I want to meet his God. If God's anything like that, I want to know him. I'm going to ask him how I meet him because I want to know God if that's why he's so different than I am. That's what we need to be. So, tonight, I just want you to know God loves you. God chose you. And if you chose him, he chooses not only to overflow into your life, but to flow through it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father. Fill our hearts with the abundance of your love that will spill out of us. The reason he created us because he had too much for the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, and the angels. He needed a vessel to pour into and he created us to, to fill with his love and his joy and his peace and his compassion and his kindness and his goodness. But God, don't let us stop it up because a stopped up pond will stagnate but let it flow in and God let it flow out God just let the bitter waters be pushed out by the sweet water until all that's in us is good God let the past be forgotten let the present be dedicated to you let the future be in your hands and God let us rejoice in the God of our salvation let the joy of the Lord be our strength help us God to be an avenue for the world to praise you. And God, whether they choose you or not, let us not be concerned with the opinions of men because we already have your favor. And if we have your favor, what does it matter what anybody thinks of us? Help us, God, to love you with abandon. Help us to love the world without restraint. Help us, God, to overflow. In Jesus' name, amen.